in today's show. Looking at the Memphis Grizzlies and their season outlook for fantasy basketball, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd, and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Memphis Grizzlies time for the season outlook. Let's do a quick catch-up on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, though. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. We're looking at the Grizzlies entries today. You send an email to lofbbowl at gmail.com. In the subject line, you write Grizzlies Cats or Grizzlies Points. If you want in the Category League or the Points League, you can do both. This is a 360-team league. Final 60-team Royal Rumble last week for the championship, which is a $4,500 prize. This is $25 entry. Nine cat or Yahoo point scoring are the two options. It's in the subject line. Grizzlies cats or Grizzlies points. In the body of the email, I will tell you something later in the show that you include in that body of that email. You can put other stuff in there as well. And hopefully, you guys can get a spot in this Grizzlies division of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Invites are going out. Um, every day I'm sending out invites for different divisions. It's not first come, first served. So I'm letting each show sit for a day or two before I send the invites out to get those invites in and then send them out um, that way rather than like you don't have to just listen to the show. I'd love it if you listen to the show as soon as, soon as it was released. But you got a couple of days when, after the show's released to get those entries in. Slow drafts for these as well. If you don't know what a slow draft is, it's just a regular slank draft. But instead of 45 seconds or a minute for a pick, you have six hours or eight hours, whatever it is. Helps us, yeah. You can think about the picks a little bit more. We've got people all around the world. Scheduling becomes not an issue. Just takes a couple, a week or so to get through. That's it. Simple stuff. They're really enjoyable, actually. Like, slow drafts quite a bit. Let's look at the Grizzlies. 53 quality games. They really broke out last season. Number two seed in the West. That's reflected in some of the TV scheduling, which helps their quality game number. Makes it really good for all the players, especially the back-end guys that we're looking at, and streaming value on this squad. Boosts the, the later round players, whether that's Brandon Clark or Steven Adams or Dylan Brooks, by having a lot of their games on the lower volume days. Only 12 back-to-backs. I think that's useful for someone like a Jar Morant. If he does get hurt and when he comes back from injury, it's very useful for Jaron Jackson when he does come back. The fact that you know, you've know you got the lowest amount of back-to-backs in the league. Not that I think Jaron's going to be back anytime soon, but he could be. But they're, they're two really good things. Above average qualities, league low back-to-backs, that's great. And their fantasy playoff schedule, it's pretty bloody good. If you end March 19th like the Locked On, like the locked on Fantasy Basketball Bowl, they've 11 games, a 4-3-4, really good. If you end March 26th, they have 11 games, a 3-4-4, really good. If you end Yahoo default, you've got the perfect 4-4-4, the Moses Malone, 12 games. Doesn't get any better than that. That is one of the best schedules in all facets for fantasy basketball. 
Now, if your league erroneously goes through to the 9th of April, I'm not going to tell you what to do because you shouldn't play that long and you should absolutely correct yourself and not do it. But if you do, they have four games in that final week as well. That's the only team. That's it. I don't know why I told you that. You shouldn't play in those leagues. Don't play until the end of the season. Roto, different story. So that's how your schedule looks. Looks pretty bloody good, doesn't it? So what are we worried about? What is going to concern us with projections? When the hell's Jaron Jackson back? I don't know. You don't know. The Grizzlies might know, but they're not telling anybody. We've been through this before. He'll be back soon. He'll be a minute. Six months later, he returned from a knee meniscus injury. This is a fracture in his foot. There's some optimism that it won't be that long, but I don't buy it at all. I'm expecting January. Initially, it was like a three to six month timetable. I'm expecting Christmas or January for Jaron Jackson to return. I will not pick Jaron Jackson in the top 100 of most formats. In a Roto game cap format, in the 80s or 90s, I will. Because he does have legitimate top 40, top 35 upside, although he probably doesn't get there this season on a per game basis because limited minutes when he returns. But if he does somehow come back in November and you picked him a pick 90 or pick 100, you're laughing. So I'm okay with picking him there. But I wouldn't pick him any earlier. Round 9, round 10, maybe round 8 in a Roto League. Points leagues, I'm not as interested because he's not as good in a points league versus how good he is in a category league. Initially, he was ranked really high and the ADPs reflected that. But of course, he's been bumped down now to 107 on Yahoo. He's still at um, 69 on ESPN. Giggity. But they're gonna, he's going to come down. Like you're seeing the, the ADP continues to fall. Uh, it's down to 74 on Yahoo now. It's at 92 on fan tracks. That 90 to 100 zone for Jaron is about right. But his how does he impact projections? Well, him being there, number one, it impacts him. But if he's not there, he is a very good offensive player. So if he's not there, Bain and Brooks and Morant will get more, more shots. And someone takes his playing time. It's probably Brandon Clark getting the boost in minutes, say from 21 to 25. Doesn't mean that Clark starts. But someone else will join the rotation. Will it be Roddy, Laravia, Santi Aldama? Will we get more minutes for Zaire Williams? Will they just play really small? Will Johnny Conchar get in and be sort of like a power forward in a shooting guard body? Because he sort of is. It's a big question mark. And we don't know how that question is going to be solved. But it also, the one that mainly impacts is Brandon Clark, who could be top 60 while Jaron is out and 110th if Jaron is in. And if you get top 60 up until January, you love taking him with pick 80 or 90, Brandon Clark. If it happens for three weeks, then you're not burning that pick on him. And I also don't think they're going to give 30 minutes a night to Clark. They might. If they do, that's almost top 50 value for Brandon Clark while Jaron's out. But it's this the split as to how long he's actually going to have that value. And the secondary concern is, do they actually start him or play him start as minutes in a bench role? We don't know the answer to either of those things yet. That's a big impact. The other thing is, is Dylan Brooks. Yesterday, I talked about Russell Westbrook not understanding what he should do. Dylan Brooks is the same. The bloke comes out and he can play some solid defense. He's an absolute foul machine. He does dickish things on the court. But the fact that he hijacks an offense that has Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, and Ja Morant and thinks that he should be the guy that takes all the shots is actually insane. And... The problem you have with it is that Taylor Jenkins still plays him. I'm not saying he should be out of the rotation, but this has been going on three years or so where Brooks is out there and just taking way too many shots. 
Like he was, he started over Desmond Bain two years ago when he shouldn't have. He would get minutes over DeAnthony Melton when he shouldn't. He keeps getting the minutes. And if he's out there, and we saw it again last season in limited sample, the one he's out there, it's him. He's taking the shots. And Desmond Bain is not. And the only way to stop that, it appears, is to not play him. And Jenkins won't do that. So could we see a change in mentality from Dylan Brooks? Could he stop being one of the worst, most inefficient players in the NBA? The problem is, is his impact metrics are all really bloody good. And it makes it, it does make it harder. But it's frustrating to see the ball taken out of the hands of better offensive players and better shooters. He was injured a lot last season as well, as was Jar. We never really got to see them all sort of click together. So Dylan Brooks, how he impacts others is a massive part of projecting out the rest of this team um, from a fantasy point of view. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including all of the Week 3 action. Now, Memphis doesn't have an NFL team. I know that. They have a college football team, the Memphis Tigers. I don't think they're that particularly popular in football, more of a basketball school. But maybe we look at a Tennessee team, the Tennessee Titans, who are currently, as I'm recording this, playing on Monday night. They were were 10-point underdogs in that game. I don't know what the result is because this is releasing days after it, but their week three action for Tennessee is up over at BetOnline. It's a continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, Boxing, and Golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's look at some breakout candidates. Who are guys that we might be talking about um, more confidently or in a in a more positive light. And they're all sort of tied, well, the main first two are tied to the absence of Jaron Jackson. Santi Aldama was, a at the time, I thought a weird pick at pick 30 in the draft. I think they traded up to get him, actually, and I didn't like it. And he didn't do much last season, but I thought he improved, and then in summer league, he looked awesome. And there is a real opportunity for him early in the season to establish himself as a rotation big man. It might not happen at all. But there's a real opportunity. And then Brandon Clark. Like, we've loved him analytically. We've loved him fantasy-wise. And he's got that opportunity now to break out. And hopefully, we get to see more Clark-Jackson front court combos. And without, you know, Adams out there necessarily. Ideally, that could be the future. A Clark and Jackson combo in that front court. But I don't, we don't know because we haven't really seen much of it. But I think Clark's got an opportunity again. If Jackson's out to start the season, Clark has that chance to establish himself in a bigger minute role than we've seen from him across his first few seasons. And then the other one is Zaire Williams. I don't really know where the minutes come from. I guess some of it is the absence of De'Anthony Melton. But also remember that last season, Brooks missed tons of games. Morant missed tons of games. So we have to also include the fact that yeah, Melton is gone, but... If Morant plays more and Brooks plays more, they almost take up those Melton minutes. It probably needs, and I think there'd be a lot of Grizzly fa- Grizzlies fans who watch this or Grizzlies fans in general clamoring, go, can we just trade Dylan Brooks so that Zaire can play 30 minutes? Zaire had real big struggles last season early on, but came good towards the end. And I think he can develop into a solid enough player. But again, could he be like Desmond Bain last season, going from a bench player into a very good starter? If he takes this role away from Dylan Brooks or starts and they go really small, 
with Brooks being like a pseudo power forward. And Zaya was playing 31 minutes as a wing player. Good wing defender, can pass a bit, some shooting, some scoring. He's a very interesting player um, for this season. It's year two. I do think there's going to be an increase in stats, but he needs to really, really bump up to establish a huge role. And maybe that's at the expense of Brooks, or it's because Jaron is out. We'll see how that all goes. But I'm really interested. I wasn't a big fan of that trade in the draft to get Zaire at 10. Not Hasn't paid off just yet. But we'll find out whether it does. Well, we won't find out whether it does. We'll get some more evidence to decide whether it has paid off this season, I think. We'll see a little bit of a bigger role for old uh, Zaire Williams. Or young Zaire Williams. Fantasy sleepers. There's a few of them. A little bit site-specific. I am more and more worried about Desmond Bain this season. Because as I said, him playing with Morant and Brooks, it didn't go well for him. The usage was down. He is a guy that... It's efficiency... He gets some steals, but he's points and threes. That's really what he is. If you're not shooting enough, then you're not impacting that category. But on ESPN, he's got an ADP of 91, and that is nonsense. He was the 48th ranked player last season, Bain. I know if you go through Yahoo and you sort by their rank and not X rank, he's 15th because A, they're insane. B, they're including turnovers. C, they're using totals. Again, one of the biggest the biggest advertisement for not using totals or turnovers when looking at ranking of players. There's not one person out here that would say, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right, Desmond Bain. He was definitely, he's a top 20 guy. No one would say that. No one would look at that and go, that's who I want to spend my second round pick on. That's how I win fantasy because it isn't. I'm a little worried that the fact that it's points and threes, the fact that Brooks could hurt it, the fact that maybe there's a slip in some of his efficiency, like he was 90 from the line. I think he's a really good shooter, obviously. Um, I, I'm a little worried, but at ESPN rank of or ADP of 90, whatever it is, 91, there's, there's so much value in that. Yeah, Yahoo 52, Fantrax 57. There's some iffiness with that. Brandon Clark, Yahoo 112, ESPN 133. Fantrax has probably got it right at 94. I think that he'll be top 60, Early on, and then when Jackson comes back, he's 110th. The balance between that's the key part. He's nowhere near as good, Clarkie, in a points league. So don't get too suckered in there. I think he's maybe got top 80 upside in a points league when Jaron's out, but not top 60, top 50, like in category leagues. But 133 for ESPN is very late. 112 for Yahoo is good value. And then there's two guys who are, uh, they don't have ADPs. They're ranked extraordinarily low on Yahoo. 433 for Aldama and 485 for LaRavia. Again, that is saying that in a 30-team league, you wouldn't touch them, and that is garbage. I would take Aldama. I'd consider him a 12-team league flyer. Flyer. We'd like more info, but he's definitely like a 16-team league guy. Definitely. LaRavia is more of a 18 or 16-team league flyer pick, but these are guys with some upside, with some opportunity. We don't know who it's going to fall to, but those numbers are just too low. John Morant's a sleeper. He's not really, but he's badly ranked. Four points leagues. His Yahoo ADP is 17. His Fantrax is 26, and his ESPN is 16. This is a top 10 fantasy points per game player. I feel pretty good about that. In a category league, it's not, but in a points league, it is. He was 11th in Yahoo points leagues last season, averaged almost 46. He was 13 in ESPN, averaging 45. 
You're getting, this is a, again, third year, third year, fourth year. Fourth year, I expect another bit of a step forward where he becomes a top 10 per game player. So at 26, you'd love it. At 17, there's value. At 16, there's value. And the same goes with Steve Adams. For category leagues at 130, 124, I'm not sure about it. But in a points league, top 100 player probably. His role is relatively secure. I don't think that the cashier, Xavier Tillman, is going to take it off him. So I like Adams as a guy in round nine, maybe round eight in a Yahoo points league. Mate, round nine, round 10 in an ESPN points league, not last round. In a category league, it's a different story. Those ADPs I don't love. But in a points league, yeah, fine with it. Stephen Adams last season was 104th in 26 minutes. Why can't he do that again? The answer is there's no reason. He very easily can. And that means that those ADPs are more catered towards category leagues which pushes him down. On the other side of things, what about some busts? Well, Jar Morant and Steven Adams. Yes, I just said they were sleepers, but that's for points leagues. For category leagues, Jar at 17 doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and he's at 16 on ESPN. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. As a back-end second-round guy, early third-round guy, I get it. Morant was 28th in category leagues. If you do include turnovers, he was like 45th. He has low-volume threes, low-volume steals, He's below average in free throws, but he gets to the line a ton, which hurts more. He doesn't block any shots. His assists are pretty good, but they're not nine assists per game. It's not DeJounte level from last season. He scores well, but that's not a middle second round player, I don't think. And I think that that is a waste taking him there. Much like Stephen Adams, whose fan tracks ADP is 106. That's totally fine for points leagues, but for category leagues, it's too high. Now, he's at 130 or so on Yahoo, which is okay towards the end there. But that you know, round eight, round nine type area for Adams in a category league is just not what you want to do. So again, illustrating, am I drafting on fan tracks with people who pay attention to ADP? Because in a category league, I've fade Adams. But if I'm in a points league on Yahoo and people are following ADP, then I get great value on him. Tyus Jones. There's a lot of... Be really careful with this. I know people make the joke, oh, I'm just going to nominate Nikola Jovic so people think it's Jokic. That's not going to, people aren't going to get fall for that one. But I have seen multiple instances where people have picked Tyus Jones thinking it is Trey Jones. And I think that's influencing his ADP, which is at 141, Tyus, on Yahoo, 143 on Fantrax. He was 210th last season, Tyus Jones. He's still the backup point guard to Ja Morant. Yes, he's solid insurance, but if you're in a daily changes league, you can't afford insurance of a guy that's outside the top 200. You can't just have them on your bench. So why are people, especially in points leagues, why are people picking him in round 11, round 12? Why are they doing it? Is it all just mistakes? He's not a draftable 12-team league player in category leagues and especially not in points leagues. There's no reason to have Tyus Jones. And yes, De'Anthony Melton is gone, but De'Anthony Melton played like no minutes at point guard last season. None. And with Williams getting more shooting guard minutes, I don't think you're going to see much Morant and Tyus crossover. I, I just don't see what the point of drafting him at all is, especially not really on the fringe of round 12 versus as a back-end round 13 guy. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me to pick Tyus Jones in that area at all. And that will bring me to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl question. Tyus Jones is a point guard. 
obviously. Tyus Jones just got a new contract. Tyus Jones is 26 years of age. None of those are the answer to the question that I want to give you. The answer to the question I want to give you is how many blocks did Tyus Jones have last season? The answer is two. So drop that in the body of your email. Tyus Jones had two blocks last season, Joshy. I go, thanks, mate. Maybe you'll get in. Because again, there's a lot of people who are applying for these leagues. There's your question. All right, upside fly picks. What can we do in the last round? Until we find out more information about who's going to start or what the rotation is going to look like or when Jaron's returning, it's up in the air. Is it going to be Clark? Is it going to be Aldama? Is it going to be Laravia? Is it going to be Roddy? Any of those guys. Is it Zaire? So they're all worth looking at as upside flyer picks. If Aldama doesn't start, then there's no point drafting him. If Laravia doesn't start, there's no point drafting him. If Roddy doesn't start, if Kenny Lofton doesn't start, and I don't think there's any chance of that, but there's no point drafting those guys. We need to see them as starters opening night with Jaron out. But that's why we take flyers on them. And then Zaire as well, who, you know, the way we look at it, it doesn't look like he's got this. He was 321st last season and he played 22 minutes a night. Is he a great fantasy guy? At this point, no. Subpar efficiency, no assists, low rebounds, bad defensive stats. But I think he's got the opportunity to really blow up. And that's what we want to just take a crack at. Like, just see. Take a flyer on the last round pick and see what happens, especially with a key part of the rotation out to begin the season. So we take that crack at someone like Zaire Williams. Here's what I think the starters will be when healthy. It's Jar, it's Dylan, it's Bain, it's Jackson, it's Adams. We spoke about Brooks a lot in the way that he impacts others. He's not the greatest category league player. He's totally fine around 120 to 130. But remember, when we look at his numbers from last season, it was like he played 28 minutes a night and some of that was with Jar out. He will be a real drain on your field goals because he's going to take so many of them. He can get some steals. He can hit some threes. He can score in decent volume. And that can be really useful towards the end of a draft. But also, they might get frustrated and the GMs just might go, Taylor, can you stop playing this bloke? Um, And Taylor's going to say, no. And then they're going to say, cool, he's out of here. That's a possibility too. But he's an okay later round pick. He's a much better points league guy because the efficiency in Yahoo doesn't kill you. In ESPN, it hurts you a little bit more, so it bumps him down, but he's probably more a 10th round guy there, whereas an 8th, 9th round player in Yahoo points leagues. Talked about Bain already. Look, he, Desmond Bain is not as good of a points league player. He was 80th in points leagues last season, which ties in more to that ESPN ADP, to be honest. Although I think he's still like a top 60 ESPN ADP guy. Uh, sorry, ESPN points guy. So we look at him probably round 5 to 6, but I am a little scared. I am a little scared of, of Bain. Jaron, I talked about already. Same with Steven Adams, who is a last or later round pick in category leagues. The assist, out of position assists are nice, and he's a nice, he's punting, you're punting free throws if you've got him because he's horrendous there. Um, but the out of position assists are pretty useful. Then you've got Brandon Clark, who, again, it's iffy. At the moment, I'm probably looking round eight, maybe round seven, but I think that might push too high. Tyus Jones, I uh, just spent a lot of time talking about him and on Zoe Williams. The other one to watch is Xavier Tillman, Xavier T. Illman. I really like Tillman. thought he had a good rookie season. thought he struggled last year, but then in the playoffs, played well. But he's in that mix of Jaron and Clark and Santi and Adams and Tillman. I would like to see, if they're not going to go Clark and Jackson at some point, go Jackson and Tillman. He's just a name to watch, to keep an eye on 
for longer term and for dynasty. I don't think it's going to be an impact this season. I mean, he definitely, I don't think, can't play with Adams. That that can't happen. But there's obviously front court minutes available. Aldama we spoke about. Johnny Conchar's a real interesting fantasy guy if you don't care about points, like Draymond Green. He might get rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and hit threes and do it relatively efficiently, except for his free throw shooting, but that's low volume. And there are, again, minutes available. Can he take some of the D'Anthony Melton role? Deeper leagues would want to pay attention there. Then there's the rookies. LaRavia, Roddy, Lofton, Chandler, Vince Williams. Opportunities for LaRavia and Roddy with Jackson out. I think I think LaRavia can be a pretty useful player, Kyle Anderson-like. Probably won't happen this year, but it could. Roddy I'm not as interested in, but Grizzlies, their development's pretty good. And then I know a lot of people like Kenny Lofton because it's fun. Oh, look how big he is. Look at the big fella rumbling and stumbling and bumbling. He's got really good footwork, but I don't really know that he can be an NBA contributor. I don't think Vince Williams is going to do much, but I really like Kennedy Chandler. Now, he's obviously the third string point guard. There's Jar and there's Tyus ahead of him. But I think Chandler can be the high steals guy, a pretty good assist guy, a solid shooter. I think that he can develop into at least a Tyus Jones level of player, if not into a starter on a different team. It's a long way away. And he's not going to really do much this season. But watching him for the hustle this year, Memphis Hustle, the G League team, will be something to do. Also, Danny Green's on this team. Danny Green is on this team. Danny Green has, for some reason, he's got a rank of 304 in Yahoo. He's not playing this year. I don't see how he is. Torrey's ACL in like end of May. He's 36 years old, 35 years old. 35-year-old who Torrey's ACL in May, June. He's probably not coming back in April. They still need to make cuts on their roster as well. So maybe he's cut. There's a couple of guys they need to cut. Killian Tilly be one of them. But after that, I don't know who the other guy is. So maybe there is a trade coming from Memphis. And I am recording this on Monday in the US. So, and it's releasing Thursday. So maybe there's a trade that's already happened that I'm unaware of. That's where we're at with the Memphis Grizzlies. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're on YouTube, you thumb it up. You leave the comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.